It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors. The area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy. Visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years experience in the Louisville area. Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Check Jim and his team on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions and SMI Marine. Getting your boat back on the water in no time. To join in on the conversation, call us at 571-8484 inside Louisville and 1-800-444-8484 outside the metro. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors on News Radio 840 WHAS. Got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. We can skin a butt and run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Welcome aboard, everybody. This is Jim Strader Outdoors, and delighted to be back with you for a full two-hour program tonight. I've got an a interesting program. It's a little bit different, and I'm very excited about it because I've got some special guests that are going to be on board with me tonight. Uh, this is a Women in the Outdoors program. We're going to talk about other things, but basically I'm going to do some interviews with some women that have had very interesting uh, outdoor experiences that they're going to share with you. They're going to share some recipes with you. And they're going to speak, I think, very um, eloquently about why more women should be involved in the outdoors. As we know, or most of us that study the statistics know, Women in the outdoors is the fastest growing segment. It's it's kind of an interesting phenomenon in that it's uh, really caught fire. And as more and more women uh, enter into the outdoor world and understand what it can offer, it's it's been an amazing uh, evolution, I guess I would call it, in the outdoor industry. In particular, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the outdoor television shows that feature husbands and wives or women in the outdoors. And it's, uh, it's obviously caught my fascination through the years. I've had 
women on the program with me, uh, but I've never done a, a segment or a program directly targeting women in the outdoors, what it means to them, why they're involved, uh, how they got uh, initiated into the sports. And you've heard me say forever and ever, I don't care if you're 8 to 80, man, woman, or child, if, if you want to get involved, outdoors is a place where you can find a, a tremendous amount of enjoyment and appreciation of nature, which, of course, is what all this revolves around. So tonight's the night, and I'm leading off tonight with Lana Graham, who I have hunted and fished with since uh, going back to 2004. Um, and she has really become a, a tremendous advocate for outdoor women in the sports. And most importantly, she's become very professional in her approach to it. Um, we've shared many a campfire together. I helped her trail deer that she shot. And she's very proficient with a bow and a gun. So I'm going to lead the program off talking to Lana tonight. We've also got uh, Tina Hitchner, who is from Danville, Kentucky. And Tina is uh, another gal that's totally immersed in the outdoors. She's into bird dogs. She hunts deer. Uh, she's got a lot of recipes she'll share. And most importantly, she's very involved with uh, getting kids involved with the sports and, and helping children get their first taste, I guess, if you will, of, of hunting and fishing and what it portends. Uh, she's a, uh, one of the folks with the uh, League of Kentucky Sportsmen. She's the uh, with the 6th District over there and does a tremendous job. And then Valerie Williams is another gal, and uh, Valerie's from Morgan County, and she has been hunting and fishing for many, many years. Again, she's into deer hunting, turkey hunting. Interestingly, though, she's an herbalist, and what I mean by that, she's a student of things in nature that either are curatives, or have medicinal qualities, uh, things that are, I, I think, very, very fascinating. And I've been involved in some of that myself, so we're going to compare notes on that as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's a different program, and you ladies out there, put your ears on because you're going to hear some things I think are going to encourage you to become involved, to uh, understand why other women are appreciative of what the outdoor life brings to you. And again, we're going to do some recipes, which obviously are um, a natural thing, I think, for women in the outdoors. So uh, we're going to talk about all that. Before we get to that, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've been seeing when I've been out uh, last week or so while we've been off the air. Uh, been rabbit hunting a good bit. I had some great hunts with my buddies, down in Western Kentucky, Larry Valines and Bobby Glasgow have been gracious enough to invite me down as they do every year. Long chases out of the dogs. Uh, for those of you who hunt with beagles and love to hear hound music, for some reason this year's a little different than in the past, and I'm not sure what to blame this on, but I'm going to lay it out there. Would perhaps enjoy a phone call from any of you who hunt with beagles that uh, have a different observation, but 
long chases. These rabbits are lining out and running, you know, hundreds and hundreds of yards before they make the circle and come back to the gun, which I enjoy that because you get to see the dogs work and where the rabbit jumps over a ditch or crosses a stream or uh, hops out of cover and runs down a, a corn row. You get the opportunity to watch the dogs ferret all that out and analyze that maze of tracks and, and uh, Glasgow's dogs are very, very good at that. And so that's been very enjoyable. On the squirrel hunting side of things with my little dog, Foxy, very frustrating, quite honestly. Um, I've had some great hunts. Uh, a couple of them were very uh, productive, but in the main, way too many squirrels are diving into the den trees and escaping. And while I accept that as part of the sport, uh, as I've often said, if there weren't for den trees and squirrels' ability to get in a hole, we wouldn't have any. <laughs> you know, I, I kid about that, but that's the truth. But it's been a, an odd year for that. And in the last couple of times out, I hunted with Edwin Nybert, the president of the League of Kentucky Sportsman, twice here recently. And both times the dog treed a, a bunch. By that, I mean she, you know, found the tree. The squirrel went up. She was hard on it, but it was a den tree. And we treed 18, 20 times and uh, killed two, three squirrels. So it's been an odd, odd squirrel season for someone who hunts with dogs. Again, if any of you have dogs, I'd love to hear from you. Um, it's just been a, a different season for me all the way around. I have talked to a lot of folks that hunted deer here in the last part of the season with bow and crossbow. A lot of folks were out there. However, I must say I'm very disappointed in the ultimate buck-to-doe ratios in the harvest. We need to get closer to one-on-one, and we'll talk about that at another time. But basically, um, that's a roundabout of what I've been seeing. I've talked to a lot of duck hunters and uh, waterfowl hunters, I should say, they're pretty frustrated. We had an early push of ducks and some decent hunting, but it's it's been pretty much a disappointment, even though we've had some very cold mornings. As you know, we've had afternoon temperatures in the 40s and a lot of wind, which doesn't really uh, do too well for that type of activity. So mixed bag of tricks here, but again, we're talking women. In the outdoors tonight. Now, if you want to call in, uh, if you are a lady that likes to hunt or fish and you want to add to the conversation or maybe ask some questions about our guests, the number is 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road. Starcraft pontoons and deck boats, Falcon bass boats, and they're the area's new low aluminum boat dealership. And Tim Addington, the owner, is going to be on the air with us later in the program to talk about a new concept for a boat show, which they are going to do this year. I think you'll be excited to hear about that. So stick with us. Again, the number is 571-8484-1800-444-8484. 84.
And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And again, tonight, we're talking about women in the outdoors, which is a, I think, a fantastic program because most of you who listen to me, you know that man, woman, child, etc. I'm all about getting you all out there and enjoying what Mother Nature has to offer. And it really doesn't matter if you're consumptive. By that, I mean you, you know, you uh, take game or fish or whether you harvest mushrooms or maybe uh, study wildflowers. It doesn't really matter. The important thing is the outdoor life, I think, is the best life. Uh, I want to start out with tonight's first guest. Her name is Lana Graham. She is the wife of my longtime hunting partner, Brad Graham. And uh, Lana, you and I hooked up as a result, obviously, of my relationship with Brad. And it's been a a very long relationship, actually. We've hunted fish together and been in camps together. You know, there's been dove hunts, squirrel hunts, deer hunts, turkey hunts, you name it. So I wanted to start the program off with you and give a little background about your evolution uh, as an outdoor woman, and it starts, I guess, most importantly, with your relationship with Brad. So can you talk about, you know, how that wasn't really a part of your life before and how that kind of evolved, and then we'll talk about your evolution as a huntress, I guess, (laughs) proper way to say these things. I'm not politically correct and don't pretend to be, so, uh, uh, but let's talk about, you know, how that sparked an interest for you and how you initially got involved, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, um, not previous to Brad, I had always ridden horses, so I was always outdoors anyway. I, I'm an outdoor kind of person. But uh, Brad did introduce me to hunting about 16 years ago, and I'll be the first to say in my whole family they still can't believe I hunt and kill things because – there was really no one in our family that hunted except for my grandpa, and he uh, hunted coons. And I was never—he never even mentioned to ever take me or anything like that. So, um, so Brad did get me into deer hunting, and I really, honestly, do not remember. I've been trying to think back to the first time that I killed one, and I—I I remember that, but I didn't have an opinion on it either way. It was like I didn't know. It wasn't. I didn't know how to act, I guess. I didn't know whether I was excited about it or not. You know, I just took a life, but obviously uh, I do love it. So I grew into a different person than I thought I was. So, well, and that introduction was done, as I recall, pretty delicately. You know, Brad kind of explained to you what it was like and did his best to to get you, I guess, acclimated. And I was involved because of how close of friends we are. But I think most importantly, it was, I think the proper term here is an evolution for you. It wasn't, you know, okay, tomorrow you get ready. We're going to go shoot a deer. It wasn't like that. Uh, Do you think that developmental part of it was important? It was that, did that make it easier for you? I guess is the way I'm asking that. Well, apparently it did. I mean, I really think that was very important. He did ease me into it. 
it wasn't like he, you know, he didn't push me or anything like that. Um, but he was concerned when I remember when I killed my first doe, he was concerned because I wasn't shaking or anything. So he didn't know if I, I just didn't have feelings <laughs> or whatever, but, um, well, but I think that, that was very important. Uh, exactly. So, um, and again, back to this evolutionary uh, idea, I guess, this progressed into you learning to hunt with a gun. Um, again, you and I have hunted together for doves. Let's let's get off deer for a minute because deer is your passion, and I want to return yeah. to it. But I, I think it's it's somewhat important to for folks to understand the total outdoor involvement that you've had and your perspectives on what it's created for you. Um, early on, you were involved in dove hunting with us. Uh, mm -hmm. My little dog Snickers that you took to your heart, and I still have a <laughs> one of the most special things I've got in my trophy case is a little uh, uh, curio that you created of the dog. It's hard to explain how you did it. I don't even know how you did it, to be honest about it's, it. It's called said. needle felting. Well, whatever it is, it's sure special because it looks just like the little dog. And, and dogs are a big Thank part you. of your life. Um, yes. I think that's something important to say here because you've been around hunting dogs and you love dogs. Yes. And and so that's been a, a big situation. But um, then you got into turkey hunting. And turkey hunting is a whole different subject. Again, we'll cover that some more after break here. But the the full aspect of hunting, you know, whether you're talking about squirrel hunting with a dog, which you've done with Foxy, the dove hunting with Tess and her retrieving, your deer hunting, your turkey hunting, your fishing, what stands out for you? You know, what, it, it, I guess what I'm saying is you're more well-rounded in some regards than some other folks. What What's, what's it meant to you? Well... I think it it gives you a lot of respect uh, for the animals. I mean, whether it be a dove, even I'm, I just I think it just gives you a lot of respect for the outdoors. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know what else to add to that. Well, some people would say because you kill them, you lose respect for them. But I think it's just the opposite, don't you? Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, the the to watch a deer, to see what deer do, or to, you know, watch right. a gobbler come in where he's strutting and, and doing his stuff, you know, thinking he's coming into a hen or, or a doves, watch them work a field and, and the challenge well, the of a shot. It's all, it's all kind yeah. of a, I don't know how. The scenario is always different, so it always makes it exciting. Whether, you know, some people say they get tired of shooting turkeys. Well, it, it, the scenario each time is different. So I think it's fun each time. Yep. Well, and there's, again, so many different aspects to it. And, again, I'm going to get into this after the break, but you have become an awesome outdoor cook uh, because you and Brad like to camp and horseback ride, ride your mules and, and uh integrate that into game cooking. 
that's a whole nother aspect that, that I want to talk about here in the second hour. So uh, hang on with us and we'll get back okay. to that. I want to talk a little bit about your bow hunting experiences and, and you know, what drives you to get out there day after day in the cold and why you love to hunt shed antlers and all those aspects that I think bring it full circle. So, folks, okay. we got to go to break here. This break is presented by Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty, all kind of wildlife management properties, farms, and vacation homes. Check them out. MOP. H-A-R-T, Realty.com. And we're back on Kim Strader Outdoors. Tonight is Women in the Outdoors Night. Uh, if any of you women out there have questions for my guests or myself, numbers 571-8484. Or 1-800-444-8484. We're talking again in this segment with Lana Graham. Lana and I have hunted together for about 16 years now. And uh, she has developed into quite the bow hunting and deer hunting. Uh, I could call her an expert at this point, I think. Without stretching too much. I know she's flinching at me saying that. But um, Lana... This, again, to the evolution of you as a huntress, it takes a while. You know, it, it seeps in and it, it, it uh, I've, the one thing I've learned from talking to each of you ladies, and again, we got Tina Hitchner and Valerie Williams will be on the program with us here uh, as we move forward. The one thing all of you have mentioned to me is how important it was to have a mentor. And obviously, yeah. marrying Brad, that was a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brad and I have hunted together for about, I guess, 40 years now, which is crazy. But um, he's very much into it. He's into wildlife management. Um, you know, he, he's what I consider a consummate outdoor person in the way he approaches things. He appreciates the squirrels and the rabbits and the quail. Uh, you know, all that as much as he does big deer, but deer is kind of your all's passion. Talk about your initiation into deer hunting, and then I want to talk to you about how you've evolved into, quite honestly, you've killed as many big bucks with a bow as about anybody I know. So talk about that. Well, like, um, you want to hear about the a couple of the bow kills or well just start out with you know how you got brad got you involved and how you evolved into the bow honey and got interested in passing up deer to kill a big deer well because he told me that i had to shoot something over three or four <laughs> um <laughs> he has drilled that in my head and he still does to this day but um well i guess because that's what he, he's basically a trophy hunter. So that's how I got to the point of not shooting anything or not supposed to be shooting anything younger than three or four, three, I guess. Um, and the bow, honestly, um, 
I was kind of leery about that at first, and he he is so patient working with um, like kids even starting them bow hunting and even me. I mean, he he got me to where I am. He was very very patient, and I listened. And that was very important that I obviously I listened to him. Well, and that that um, discipline that you're talking about comes because it's not so much that Brad is a trophy hunter per se, but it's that he enjoys managing deer, seeing deer develop, and yeah. obviously y'all love to eat venison. It's not that you don't shoot those, but uh, it's, it's a discipline, and that discipline, as I've seen you develop, has really done an interesting thing, and I didn't know honestly which way this would go it could have gone that well shoot i'm out here day after day it's cold it's wet uh you know there's other things i could be doing and i'm not seeing any big bucks because frankly and you know this better than anybody you're really hunting for that magic two to four minutes i mean uh, day after day week after week being out there when it comes down to the part where a big buck shows up, it's really a small window of time. Yes. But what I think creates appreciation for that, and what I think uh, developed with you was you enjoyed just being out there, whether you take a deer or not. Absolutely. Well, talk about that. And What's I, it like to sit on a stand day after day and have that discipline? Well, you know, Brad, he thinks that sometimes I get discouraged or from the beginning. Like when I first started, he thought, oh, she didn't get, see anything. She's going to get discouraged and not want to do it anymore. But I, I've never been like that. I don't care if I sit out there eight hours. Um, it's To me, it's enjoyable. And usually the time flies unless you're out there for an entire day, you know, a, a whole day sit. Um, but even then. Time flies by eventually, and as soon as you see, and if it's cold, and if it's wet, as soon as you see a deer, you get warm. So, I do. I just don't think about anything else. So, it's it's not discouraging to me just because I like to be out there. Absolutely. So, um, one of the things that that has fascinated me about my involvement with you and Brad, and seeing again you develop as a hunter is the way you have developed patience, which goes back to what you just said. What would you tell other women that uh, is enjoyable to you? You know, so many people just, I think they, they're they geared differently, and it prohibits them from understanding the enjoyment of just being immersed in nature. You know, it's not. I guess I go back to what I said. You know, the excitement's two or four minutes. The big buck yeah. shows up, he comes into you, you make the shot or don't make the shot, and then it's over. So that's that's just a infinitesimally small part of this process. What's it like for you to sit out there, and why do you enjoy it so much? I would say because I love nature so much, um, I like the anticipation of something possibly coming up, something possibly I'm going to shoot. It's 
for me, it's the anticipation. It's the peace and quiet. It's um, watching the other animals, whether it be squirrels, um, birds, possums, um, just just being out there. And I think mostly the anticipation of thinking that a big buck's going to walk up or well, you know, a doe. I mean... Well, yeah, here's the deer. Now what's going to happen? <laughs> right. That's, now you've uh, got to really start thinking of how you're going to make this happen. Absolutely. Now, you've been extremely successful in your hunting career, I must say. Um, you've taken 27 bucks with a bow and a gun, and you and Brad traveled to hunt. Y'all hunt Illinois and Kansas and Kentucky, you're from Indiana. You live in Indiana, and you've uh, hunted all those states extensively. And I'd like for you to tell folks what it's like to travel and and to hunt and to enjoy what other states have to offer, because that's a whole different aspect. Yes, it is. Um, You get to meet a lot of different people, and you get to meet how they, like, how how the other, um, like Kansas, for instance, um, you go up there and you're like, how how do you hunt deer here? Because it's nothing but wide open spaces and very few trees. And you're like, how are you going to kill something here? Well, it's just, it's so different than the way we do it here in a way. It's um, just, I don't know, it's... Um, Kind of, I don't know. Well, it, it, it well rounds you is what I have seen because yeah. I've been fortunate enough, as you know, to hunt in swamps and out west and all over the place. And when you start integrating all those experiences together, it, it provides an insight that you probably would not have had before. Exactly. Uh, one of the most awesome deer that you've killed is the one we call heavy. And and there's a reason we call him Heavy. You want to tell that story? Sure. Um, Heavy is from Kansas, and I believe um, the guide had pictures of him since he was two. And as a two-year-old, he had massive antlers. And I think you hunted him, didn't you? I was, yeah, I was around that deer, yes. Okay. And Wasn't as lucky as you were, but <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> and then Brad hunted him uh, the year before I killed him, or maybe that same year also, but he was hunting for a year or two, trying to, you know, he didn't present himself. Um, so anyway, I took Brad's spot, I think. Um, the guy took me, and it was muzzleloader. And we had been sitting out there. Of course, this is uh, September, so it's pretty warm, and you're in a blind, and that's mostly what they use out there. You're hardly ever in a stand unless you're bow hunting out there. So we're waiting, and it's about half an hour before dark, maybe 15 minutes before dark, and he said, there he is. And I said, what? He goes, there's heavy. And I went, no way. And... I had to get in the most awkward position to shoot out of that blind. It was a wood blind. And 
shot him, and he ran 150 yards, and we were hoping he, you know, we we couldn't see. He went into the Milo. So we left, went back to the camp, and then we went back, and then there was nothing but for 150 yards, blood splatter on each side of the path he went in the Milo. And there was probably five or six guys that were in camp, and they all went. And it was a good thing because they'd take turns uh, dragging him back. So that was pretty exciting because, you know, you're always, did I shoot, you know, did I get a kill? You know, did I shoot him in the right spot? Because, you know, sometimes people question you, and it all happened so quick. But he did die, but he obviously, I mean, he died right then. He just went longer ran further than you know normal well when when we call this deer heavy so the listeners can understand what we're talking about i can barely get my hands around the bases of his antlers right. he's one of the most massive bucks i've ever seen and uh when i learned through a phone call that you had killed him and then saw the picture i was like oh my gosh because he was even bigger than he'd been before and as you mentioned, a bunch of us had been in pursuit of that buck, and he was a very, very special deer. Is he kind of your top of the list? Because you killed some other really, really nice deer. He's the top of the list as far as, um, I think, special, just because I think he was six and a half, and he had been hunted for so long, and finally, you know, appeared. And it's just, it was, it was special. It was it was bittersweet, and it was, you know, bittersweet to Darius because he had watched this buck grow, and, yeah, it was it was sombering, actually. Well, I can, I can totally understand that. There's a reverence for that animal at the end of the trail. All right, folks, we got to go to break here. This break is presented by SMI Marine, Starcraft Pontoons and Deck Boats, Falcon Bass Boats, and they are the area's new low aluminum boat dealership and tim addington the owner there is going to be on with us later in the program tonight to talk about a new concept that they developed to have a boat show in the midst of this covid pandemic so stay with us we'll be back here after the break welcome back to tim trader outdoors tonight we're doing women in the outdoors and we're talking with my frequent hunting partner, Lana Graham. Uh, going forward in the program tonight, we're going to talk to Tina Hitchner and Valerie Williams, who are two other very serious devotees of the outdoor life. Hey, Lana. Um, yes. This is going to be a multifaceted question, but one thing that has stood out to me about you and your bow hunting experiences is when a big buck shows up, you get it done. And I think that comes from resolve, comes from practice, comes from a lot of things. But, you know, there's an old saying that uh, lightning goes through your veins when you've sat there day after day and all of a sudden that big buck's there. Describe that and how that enables you to get it done as best you can. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I think it's a lot of mental discipline 
I take deep breaths. I can tell you that right now. I, if I see a buck and I know it's the one I want, I am trying to get my heart rate down and not thinking about it as much. You know, I'm looking at the rack. Don't look at the rack. I mean, I'm just like, okay, just stop thinking about that and just try to plan in my head if he comes over this way or if he comes over that way, you know, and which where is he going to turn? Is going to be quartering a way shot or which I prefer, but um, broadside. I mean, you, I just all kinds of things are running through my head just to get my mind off of. Um, I think the actual, you know, rack. So I'm not focused on it too much and try to calm. Just trying to calm down and so, you know, making sure that I make a clean kill. I don't want to obviously wound anything, and I want to. I want to be calm enough to make the right decision and shoot him at the right time. Well, you've done it time after time. And one of the things that stood out to me, this will surprise you. It's been a lot of times when you had a big buck around you and you didn't take the shot. And there's been some times when I've said, well, girlfriend, sometimes you just got to make it happen, but you're very disciplined about that. I think that's, I, I guess, helped you become super successful and when you do take the shot uh we got a couple yeah. of minutes here talk about your deer this year in illinois because you took another great buck with your bow we got about two minutes okay um well brad and i were both hunting and he was at a different stand about 200 yards away and we had just got in the stand and I had noticed I was just, you know, getting all my stuff prepared and um, getting organized, and I saw a buck out in the field, but it, of course, went toward Brad's, and all the bucks were, like, going toward him, and so I, I stood up, and when I did, there were some does coming up the lane, and they stood there with me for about 20 minutes, and I was freezing because I had to stand in one position with my bow, and... Um, trying to prove them wrong that they thought something was there, but I proved them wrong. There was something there, but they ended up not getting spooked or blowing or anything like that. So they left. And as soon as they left, I was getting ready. I did sit down because I was trying to warm back up. And I looked to my right, and there was a little buck. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not. He, he wasn't worried about anything. So as soon as I sat down, here comes this buck. He looked like an elk coming up the lane. And he darted off like he was going to go toward Brad's stand, but he went over just to push that other little buck around, and he came perfectly right in front of me. And I tried to get him to stop. He would not stop. I tried again. He didn't stop, so I shot. And he ran up. He was quartered away. And he ran up behind me. I heard him thrashing and crashing, and those does that were trying to bust me earlier or just a few minutes prior to that uh we're gathering all right lana i gotta go to break here please hang on with us we'll continue the story after the break and i am a backwoods kind of guy welcome back to jim Strader outdoors hour number two and again tonight is women in the outdoors night we've got lana graham still on hold here I've got Tina Hitchner and Valerie Williams, two other very accomplished outdoor women that are going to be on with her here in a few moments. Lana, you were telling the story about that buck. 
and how it surprised you. Continue the story. Okay. Um, so I shot him in a walk. He wasn't running or anything, but and I didn't want to do that, but I thought I, I can pull this off. So shot him. He ran to the left of me maybe 20 yards, went in the woods, but it was open woods, and he went up a hill, and I heard him crashing. He was behind trees, so I couldn't see him, but all the deer that had been there were all gathered around him, so I knew it wasn't good, and it ended up, I couldn't see still, and I heard more thrashing, and then I saw him roll down the hill toward me, so he ended up being maybe 35, 40 yards that was an, oh yeah moment. <laughs> uh, Jim, I have never, I don't think, shook that much, and I don't know if it was just because I was cold. Because normally I don't get that way. I was like shaking so bad, and I was emotional, and I'm like, "What is wrong with me?" <laughs> so, well, that's cool. I want to wrap things up with you in another phase of this because I think this is important. I don't know anybody that's more fanatic about shed hunting you know, looking for the antlers from deer from the previous season than you are. And I want you to talk about that, and I want you to wrap up by telling other women why they need to get outdoors. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I just enjoy shed hunting. I like to find the antler sheds. Um, It's some kind of satisfaction I get to find things. I don't know. I'm I'm a gatherer. And Brad says I'm a hoarder, but I'm just, I think I'm just a gatherer. Um, I just, um, to me, it's almost as fun as hunting. Almost. Not not quite, but it is. It's, ex- it's just exhilarating for me. I don't know. Um, it's a fulfillment during off-season of not hunting deer. And, you know, you get to see what's out in the woods. You know what you've got, whether it be a, several spikes, which normally that's what I end up finding but um you know and sometimes you run across deadheads uh we did i found one a couple years ago that was actually one of our target butts and i found like i think somebody had shot him and just left him or something um but i just enjoy searching for them and especially if if, if it is a target buck and we're looking for a specific antler so well uh, that brings it full circle because you're really enjoying what the animals do and how they develop and it helps you index what's going on. And that's, I think that's great. Now tell other women why they should be involved. Okay. Well, I think, um, it's, it's a great quality time with the family. You know, you ha- harvest something, you cook it, and you're, the whole family is involved, whether they're hunting or not. You know, it's it's family time. Um, you get unplugged from the world. You don't have to get away from your stresses. Um, also, you, you take satisfaction in helping to provide uh, the healthiest and most nutritious protein available. You know, I mean, you, you're helping, say, your husband doesn't hunt or he's not a very good hunter oh and at least you're providing you know food for the family um well and that as you know that's a big deal with me and it's something that tickles me to hear you say because field to fork as they call it nowadays 
it's very important because it is great protein and it's it's connected and it's great. with what cooked God the right way. critters here for, I guess is the way I would say it. Right. Uh, All right, kiddo. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, there's, it also helps you be disciplined. You know, I, it just, in other ways. I mean, not just for hunting, but it, it helps you be disciplined. Um, yes. Makes you, you know, be on nature's time instead of the world's time. <laughs> you know what? Well said. That is very well spoken because that's very important in today's hectic world. It lets you gear down, and, and I love it. Well, Anna, thanks so much for visiting with us, and uh, we'll be back right after this. All right. Thank you. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. We're doing Women in the Outdoors tonight. And I'm being joined here in the second part of the program with Tina Hitchner and Valerie Williams, both of whom love to hunt and fish and enjoy the outdoors. Ladies, can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Uh, I got to start somewhere. Uh, Tina, I guess I'll start with you. Uh, you're from Danville, Kentucky. And you are very, very active in lots of outdoor pursuits. Um, you've been deer hunting with your husband, David, for a long time. You bow hunt. You've recently become uh, interested in hunting with pointing dogs. You have an English setter. Tell us a little bit about your background and why being an outdoor woman is important in your life. Well, I learned from probably the the best outdoor woman, which was my mother. Um, she raised us to fish and hunt, and uh, we all, uh, all of us kids, that's where we got our start was with our mom. And uh, I think that's probably where we began uh, my adventure in the outdoors. Uh, I love to fish and hunt, and it just grew from there. Well, you're a very inspirational person to me personally, <laughs> uh, for a reason that I think will become abundantly evident to people. I shot professionally for years with a shotgun, um, won a few championships along the way. was lucky enough to have people that were better than me stumble a little bit. But um, you are really into to the shooting sports, and you were, in recent years, blinded in your dominant shooting eye, trained yourself to shoot on the other shoulder, which I believe is your left shoulder. Is that correct? It is. And then went on to win the National Muzzleloading Clay Target Championship. I mean, that, that's crazy good. I mean, <laughs> uh, Obviously, that points to your determination and and your love for the sports. Talk about what that was like for you and, and why you were that driven. Shotguns is a is a big part of our lives. My husband and myself both. Um, I have. I wasn't going to let that win, so to speak. I, I was more driven to learn 
to relearn how to do it again than I was to uh, just give it up. And it was very devastating the one year that I didn't shoot when I was having all the eye surgeries. I, it, it, it was very hard for me to just not be going. So I just, I was not going to let the, uh, that stop me. So we, we learned, we, my husband and myself, we figured it out, and uh, I think we did a halfway decent job with it anyway. <laughs> well, I'd say so. When you win the national championship, you've obviously uh, climbed the rock, as they, they say, but to do that off of the other shoulder is almost unimaginable to me. Now, Tina, you're very involved with the League of Kentucky Sportsmen, um, and you all do a lot of different uh, events for the kids and for other folks. Talk a little bit about that and why that's a driving force for you. I've always been involved with a lot of kids' sports. We started out in 4-H shooting sports many years ago. We won't say how long ago that was. But uh, I have since retired from that and moved on to uh, Hunter Education and uh, the league. And uh, with the 6th District, we we are wanting to get the kids outside because they don't know how to do that anymore. They they are driven with uh, computer screens and phone screens and video games and it's just important for me to make sure that they can get outside, and if we can enable that, then that's what that's what we're going to do. Um, we recently, uh, just last weekend, had a youth bird hunt um, at Cedar Creek Quail Club, and it was more like a field trial for the kids. And we had 26 young people show up and had a very successful day with that. And they uh, uh, that's where we start. That's our start. Uh, we're going to continue on through the year doing more things with the kids and getting them more involved. And it's my understanding you're involved with the uh, national bird dog crowd that's coming here to Kentucky here shortly? Uh, yes. Uh, the United Field Trial Association is having their national event in February um, at Cedar Creek uh, Quail Club in Lincoln County. And that will be a week-long event uh, from February 20th to the 27th. And they've, I think they've got 13 or 14 different states coming uh, with dogs, and uh, uh, it should be a good event. Oh, it'll be an awesome event. And I uh, had made a commitment to help promote and or report on that, which I will obviously follow through with, with you. Um, what's it like for you to be an officer in an organization that has traditionally been male-dominated, the League of Kentucky Sportsmen, uh, for many reasons in the past, was. But women have always been involved, but you and some others have stepped to the forefront in helping promote the league and what it stands for. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. Well, I think um, more and more women are becoming involved with outdoor sports. And that's becoming evident. Uh, I feel like um, we present a unified front for all the kids and, and the the programs that we're um, that we're trying to promote with the kids. That it's important that we promote women as well. And I think the best way we can do that is just get out there and do it. Well, that is absolutely. Kudos to you gals for doing that and becoming involved. And 
It's, it's uh, as you pointed out, providing a whole new aspect to what's going on. What would you say to other women that maybe have some hesitation about getting involved or, or you know, what, what would be your statement to other women about getting involved in the outdoor movement? If they if they're brand new and, and don't know anything uh, about being outside or doing anything in the in in the uh, the hunting world or the shooting sports world, find find somebody that can help them. Find a mentor. It's it's uh, it's very important that um, you you learn from someone who you trust and who you uh, uh, respect, and that um, you know there's something out there for everybody. And it's not necessarily uh, gun-related. It could be taking bird watching, taking walks, going out hiking, fishing. Um, there's something for everybody that you just have to find what what your what your role is. Well, in, in that regard, you've been very passionate about the League of Kentucky Sportsmen. It's provided you a a platform, if you will, to bring women and children into the organization. Appalachian Outdoorsman Association is another great one that we're going to talk about here in a little bit with uh, Valerie. What what would you say about those organizations? What's what's your vision for the future with that? Oh wow! Um, I would love to see more young people involved. And the only way we're going to be able to get those people involved is to provide the programming that we're doing for the youth right now and to um, get them active and grow new leadership. And that's how, that's, that's how you start is with the kids. Yep. Well, I remember you, you gave me a quote here before we went on the air earlier today. Uh, being outdoors does something for your soul. It does. Um, Expound on that a little bit. Well, the one the one thing I I can think of, and, and we talked about this earlier, is uh, when you're out in the woods and you're in, in deer hunting, for example, the first thing you do is you're going in the dark. If you're hunting in the morning, you're going in, in the dark, so you're going to be able to see Mother Nature wake up, and that's the most precious sight you'll ever see is when the woods come alive. And I've always said, how can you not believe in, in the Lord when you see all that come together and how it interacts and how the squirrels and the birds and the deer and foxes and coyotes, possums, coons, fish in the streams, you name it. When you see all that come to fruition and the way they operate, you can't help but refer to the Lord as the creator of all that. And I think that don't you think that's an important aspect of this? Yes, I do. Because that's where it all began, right there. Yep. All right, kiddo. Well, um, I know you're excited about this new um, bird dog trial that's coming. Share with us a little bit about your bird dog, because I know you got a setter and you're really excited about hunting with it. Well, he does real well. Uh, he's four years old. Um, I've had him for a year. Um, he's, he is more of a companion than he is anything, but he is a, he is a very good bird dog. Um, we pheasant hunt with him and uh, uh, quail hunted, and I field trial him some during the, for the club trials. Um, he knows more about it than I do, of course. I'm learning, so it's uh, 
it's 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 a trial and error every time we go out, but it's but we have a lot of fun. Well, you've had a great mentor and a mutual friend of ours, Rick Allen. Rick and I have worked together through the league for many, many years, and he's a bird dog man through and through. And uh, I, I'm delighted that you and your husband are getting into that. Uh, it's my understanding y'all uh, do a lot to provide meat for uh, community churches through your deer hunting as well. Is that correct? It is. Um, after we fill our freezer, um, whatever we have you know, left, uh, and, and usually we will take an, an extra deer, and we'll, we'll we'll take it out to our our community church. And uh, uh, we, I think, one year we fed like six families with with what we brought in. Well, that's got to be a very satisfactory feeling, and, and my hats off to you for that and what you all do, uh, yes. Tina. In closing, here I got one minute. What's okay. most important to you about the outdoors experience? In a nutshell. Family. It's Sharing it all with your family. Being well, with right. family, get, getting out with family, um, taking dad fishing, you know, that's to me getting getting outside with, with people you love and, and, and that's probably the most important thing there is. Well, wouldn't you agree with me that hunting and fishing provides that opportunity better than any other sport you can think of? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. I really, <laughs> absolutely from here as well. All right, kiddo. Well, I sure enjoyed visiting with you. Coming back, we're going to talk to Valerie Williams about her outdoor experiences and what it means to her as well. So stick with us. This break is presented by Paul Thomas at Mothfield Properties Heart Realty. Check them out at MOPHARTRealty.com. Hey, we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And again, we're doing Women in the Outdoors tonight. In that regard, moving forward, we're talking with Valerie Williams, who's from Morgan County, Kentucky, and is a woman totally immersed in the outdoor experience. Valerie, can you hear me okay? I sure can, Jim. Well, welcome aboard, and thank you for all the things that you do for other folks in the outdoors. You're a secretary and board member of the Appalachian Outdoorsman Association, which does a tremendous work for the youth and for Wounded Warrior projects. Um, I've come to you from my good buddy, Jimmy Cantrell, uh, who recommended you to be on the program tonight because you deer hunt, you turkey hunt, you fish, <laughs> and uh, these are all good things. And then uh, a special point of interest for me is the fact that you're into herbs and, and uh, studying uh, plants and nature. So let me start off with your deer hunting and you started that with your husband, Leslie. Yep, and sure did. It's my, it's my understanding he gave you a deer rifle <laughs> for a present. My, 
my Remington 243 was my wedding present. We got married in the summer of 97, and uh, that was my introduction to the outdoors, was getting a, a 243 Remington for, as a wedding present. And it was a great introduction, and I still use my gun and uh, that one and uh, thoroughly enjoy it. And I wasn't raised in the outdoors, but uh, as far as in the outdoor lifestyle, hunting and fishing and everything, but I was more than a willing participant uh to, to get started when we got married and, and out on our own. So and it's something I thoroughly enjoy and I'm passionate about. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you prior to the program about, you know, how you've uh, progressed as an outdoor woman and, and what you've liked to do. One of the things that really interested me, there's several aspects to, to I guess, your experience. One of them is canning of deer meat or canning of wild game. And that's something I'm just totally ignorant about. I'll be honest about it. I I know a little bit about it, but I'd like you to talk about how you are really into processing your own deer, cutting it up yourself and, and canning it to where, you know, it's got a shelf life and, and folks can enjoy it to eat. That's something that I thoroughly enjoy doing, and that's that's a process that evolved over the years. When we, when I first started uh, deer hunting, that wasn't something I did, and we did send them off to the slaughterhouse. And over the years, uh, I, I just became very picky about how my meat was processed, and it started with uh, the actual processing. And we bought the video that Tim Farmer had had out years ago on uh, the basically the field to the freezer, and uh, we started learning how to process our own and it evolved from there and I started in with the pressure canning several years ago because I wanted something shelf stable fork tender meal ready and so I um, looked on the National Center for Home uh, Canning and Home Preservation and got the rules and regulations and anybody starting out canning I highly recommend you learn the science behind it before you do it and um, so I started out uh, uh, dressing out the meat as you would for the freezer, but then chunking it up, raw packing it into quarts, and I add a little bit of beef bouillon to mine. Uh, different people do it different ways. Some just add salt. And um, I pressure can my quarts at, uh, with a one-inch to a one-and-a-half-inch headspace in them and uh, pressure can them for 90 minutes at a time. And when they come out, it it's not pretty in the jar, because any kind of canned meat is ne- never going to be pretty, but it's one of the most delicious things you'll ever eat, and it's fork tender and ready to go for you at any time, and we thoroughly enjoy it. All right. Now, you are, what I will say, an herbalist, and what I mean by that, you're a student of some of the things that we can gather in nature. Talk yes. a little bit about that. Well, Jim, that actually came out of uh, – what I call my own self-diagnosed ADD, just by looking around and going, what else can I can I do with with what's around me and 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 utilize the land around me, and um it uh, it started really in a deer blind looking out at the plants, going, I wonder what I could use that for, and I wonder what I could use this for, and um and so I started looking things up and and trying to figure out you know what what's on this land that I can use that's already here and uh, some of the things that uh, that I gather and that I use are, uh, is um, yarrow I, that's a, a wildflower that I gather it's got styptic qualities and I gather plantain and elderberries and um, I gather dandelions and I use redbud blooms in the spring for jelly I gather rose hips in the fall and dry those for their uh, vitamin C and 
autumn olives. Uh, most people, you know, those are very invasive here in eastern Kentucky where I live where they got planted on the strip mines. But I figured out you can make a really good jelly out of them. So I gather those and I make jelly out of those. And I, I try to utilize everything that good Lord put out here for us to use because he put it out here for a purpose. And I feel that it's our job to use it for its intended purposes. And had you not been introduced to hunting, I wouldn't have I would done think, any of it. <laughs> there, there we have it. That's and that, that see that's that's the adjunct or the additional aspect to learning to appreciate nature through hunting, and I think that's very appropriate statement. Do you know what jewel weed is? I sure do, and actually that was on my list. I sat down here last night, and I was making a list of some of the things that I've collected, and jewelweed is on that list, and I actually have some infused jewelweed oil in here in my, my little herbal cabinet that I'm going to be making a salve out of for uh, poison ivy for later on this summer when it becomes bad. You know, I, I'm delighted to hear about that. We hadn't talked about it, but it's a plant that it's actually an alkali plant yes. that will totally zap the acids that create the problems with poison ivy and i have cured i don't know how many people through my years in outdoor experience i had a an herbalist that turned me on to that many many years ago and i i actually uh, encourage and grow it in my yard and for folks that, that don't understand it it it's only available really in the latter part of the the summer period um it has a, a orange flower and a translucent looking stalk but man it, it, it it'll cure poison ivy in a heart i had a friend of mine that had third degree burns oh from wow poison ivy he was so allergic that it just was eating him up and and we applied that so those those herbal remedies and, and the gatherings of those plants are very, very important. Now, you're into mushrooms as well, I understand. Yes. I, my husband and I enjoy looking for chicken of the woods. That's a really easy one to identify. It's orange, and and uh, it's usually out late summer. Um, and uh, we found turkey tail before. And then I, uh, you're talking about having mentors, having mentors in hunting and, and having mentors in things like wild mushrooms and herbs is, is a really good thing. And I have a, a friend of mine who, uh, he, he's my mentor in wild mushrooms, and he has shown and given me quite a few and shown me where to look for ones and how to look for ones. And the, one of the last ones he gave me was uh, shrimp of the woods, and I'd never had it, and it's absolutely delicious. And it, it, it smells like shrimp and everything, so it's, a, it's, it's really interesting. And, and like you were talking before, finding those mentors is a good thing. And sometimes I refer to them as mentors, and sometimes they're just good friends. And, and uh, if you, you know, go out and find those people and make them a part of your life because, you know, learning about things like this is, is vital to perpetuating it and uh, making it go on through the generations. Well, Valerie, in closing here, I think that a lot of your enjoyment and expansion of your experiences has come through Appalachian Outdoorsman Association. I it guess sure has. A word of encouragement to women who perhaps don't know how to get involved about organizations like that. What would you tell them? 
to not be afraid to go to a meeting, to knock on a door, to say hello. Um, when I joined AOA, I, I knew very few people in the group, but I made friends quickly. And, and most people that are in the hunting and outdoor lifestyle is very welcoming, and they're going to welcome you in, and they're going to show you the ropes, and they're going to teach you. And it provides opportunity for you to learn how to do things outside, but it also provides opportunity for you to learn how to advocate for other people and how to uh, set up outdoor activities and things like that. Um, I've been involved in the Wounded Heroes hunts. I've been involved in the Youth Turkey hunts. I've represented the club at events like the Elk Expo up at Prestonsburg and helped with the NRA fundraiser dinners, our game suppers, things like that. So it's it's been a, a very good outlet for me to be able to um, fellowship with people that are like-minded. Absolutely. Well, God bless you for your participation and all the things you've done to help other folks come to the sport. And I really appreciate you being on with us tonight. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, Valerie. All right, folks, we got to go to a quick break. Coming back from break, we're going to talk about a boat show that's forthcoming. That's a whole different wrinkle. My buddy Tim Addington will be on and we'll be back right after this. And we're back on Jim Stranger Outdoors. And for more information for you women out there that want to get involved in the outdoors, go to Wildlife Women on Facebook. Um, that's a great resource. It initiated here in Kentucky, and it'll take you forward to several informational sites where you can obtain information about how to get more involved. Moving forward, I'm going to go to my buddy Tim Addington at SMI Marine about a challenging situation because of COVID. We're not having the sport boat and vacation show as usual, but they are doing a boat show and several of the marine owners and RV owners around the region have banded together. Tim, roll this out for us and tell more about it. Well, Jim, uh, basically the Kentuckiana Boat and RV Association, we've come together and, uh, you know, basically putting on an event um, that, that's similar to the boat show, but we're we're just having it at each, you know, each person's individual location. Um, there's eight uh, boat dealers and three RV dealers involved in it. And, uh, well, basically boat-wise, it's a, obviously ourselves, and you've got Yamaha Louisville, Sea uh, Ray Louisville, S&S Marine, Marine Sales and Service, Kentucky Anna Yacht, Arnold's Boats, and Admiral's Anchor. And then on the RV side, Admiral's Anchor carries RVs as well, uh, Campers Inn and Cunningham Campers. That's that's the dealers involved. Okay, and what, what this, the different aspect of this is that these are on-site um, rollouts, if you will, of your all's Correct. Uh, lines of boats and RVs that you carry. Explain how this is working and give folks, you know, the the dates and times and the basic information yeah. about it. Yeah. So um, it starts this this coming Friday, January 29th. Uh, it's going to be a 10 day event, and so it's going to last through uh, two weekends and a full week. Uh, closes on February 7th. Um, the best thing to do as far as times for the event, you can go to KentuckyAnnaBoatRV.com, 
and there's a full list of dealers and days and times. And, again, it starts on a Friday and rolls through 10 days following Sunday. It's going to be open every day, uh, but the times vary depending on the days. And, uh, you know, and, and like I said, each each individual dealer will have their inventory set up. We'll have all of our new inventory inside the building, so weather's not going to play a factor in it. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good time, hopefully. Well, uh, spell out that name again so folks know where to go to access information yeah. about it, if you will. Yeah, this is this is an association that we formed. It's KentuckyAnnaBoatRV.com. That's the uh, association's website, and you can see, uh, you know, all the details of the event on that website. Okay. Now, um, obviously, all the new models of the year will be there like they would be at the boat show. In other words, all the dealers that have different lines of boats will have the new rollouts for 2021. Um, Correct. I would assume. Correct. And, and, and that's... There, you know, there is, with the last year we had, there's still a, a supply. I don't want to say an issue, but that, you know, boats are a little harder to get now. Um, we actually just got a big load in this week and, uh, I'm glad to see that's going to make it into the show. Uh, there may still be a few models that hasn't made it yet, you know, to the dealerships that, that, you know, won't be in it, but, uh, you know, those can be explained or talked about by any, any salesperson. But, but yeah, the, the, any new models or current, uh, you know, models that we have in stock will be on display. And it's, it's all going to be 2021 year model stuff. All right. What are you excited about that you're able to showcase this, this year in this what? pandemic? I know this has been a very difficult time for, all you dealerships, but you've sure. uh, marched through it. But talk to us a little bit about what you want to showcase and what you're excited about. Yeah, um, you know, in our, our StarCraft pontoon line, there's a, a couple new models that we're really excited about uh, that I do have. Um, and even in the low boats, uh, we just, that's the order we just got in this week. So we've got their new fishing uh, boats in. The biggest thing that I'm excited about is, is you know, uh, a smaller crowd. So we can be a lot more attentive to the customers and, and talk to them about it. Uh, you know, at the boat show, there's obviously a heavy crowd there and it's, you know, it's hard to get to each and every person. Uh, but this should lessen the crowd to where we can be a little more attentive to the people who are, are there looking. And so that's, that's what's exciting to me. Well, I was excited when you all as a sponsor took on the low line of boats because I'm a fan of those boats. And yes. it's probably in the aluminum boat category, one of the most expansive uh, models available for whether you're a bow fisherman, a catfish fisherman, a crappie fisherman, a bass fisherman. Um, and I'm, I'm yep. obviously excited about you all helping showcase that. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, Lowe was, a, was an exciting addition to us uh, about two years ago, and, and you're right. They they really have a model that, that fits, you know, what each individual person does, uh, even down to rec- recreational. Uh, you know, they got some of their bigger deep V boats that are great recreational boats, 
that that you can fish out of as well. But um, literally carry a model uh, from a from a fourteen foot John boat to a you know a twenty three foot deck boat and everything in between uh, that would cover. You know each person's uh, specific need that they're they're wanting a boat for, and we're really excited about low. Great, you know, they do a really give, good give job. That, give folks where they can research what's going on with this show. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, KentuckyAnnaBoatRV.com. Very good, sir. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on and putting a good word out, and look forward to visiting with you. It was good to talk to you, Jim. I appreciate it, sir. Yes, sir, Tim. All right, folks, that's a wrap. You can join us during the week at Jim Strader Outdoors on Facebook. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.